so blessed to be able to be in a place where we can worship the Lord with so many people whose hearts are dedicated to Him and it just comes out in their abilities as they're playing and as they're singing and just to be able to be in the congregation and hear others worshiping God as well. So encouraging to us this morning. We're in Ephesians chapter 6. So would you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6 this morning and we have a, a couple of articles that will be being brought out here that will be some sermon illustrations. So I hope that they don't get too much of your attention throughout the message until we get to those pieces. We may need to bring them closer to me, so if you're looking at them, I actually feel like you're looking at me. Um, So that's why I told them to bring them in a little bit closer, just in case. So we're looking at the armor of God, and I can say for many, many, many years in my life, I learned about the armor of God. I had read about the armor of God in Ephesians. I had read books on the armor of God in college. I had wrote papers on the armor of God, but I didn't really understand what that meant. What is the armor for? I mean, how often, a question for you to ask yourself this morning, how often does the armor play a role in your daily lives? Do you think about the armor of God? Do you think about what it does or doesn't do for you? Because we learn about it, and there's some incredible sermons, and you can learn a lot of different things about the different parts of the armor. And I remember learning about all the different intricate aspects of the armor. It's actually this sermon. I've had more people from the congregation come talk with me about, hey, are you going to talk about this piece and this, and here's a picture? And, you know, people are really excited about the armor. But a lot of times it's like we... We don't see what the armor is actually for because we get so focused on the individual pieces and the history of the pieces. And so I have a couple of questions for us. What is the armor for? Does every Christian have the armor of God on? If you're a believer this morning, does everyone have the armor on? When you become a Christian, do you get the armor? Does God put it on you or is it something that comes later? Something you put on. When you put it on, can you take it off? And put it on and take it off and put it on. Different parts. Is it all or nothing? Can you only only have one part of the armor and not all the armor on? Things for us to think about. Is it it, how often do we apply the armor? Is it a one-time only event that we put the armor on? It's on for the rest of our lives? Or is it more like sunscreen? We apply it as needed, Right? You know, you're going into a spiritual situation, so you you pray the armor on that day. There are all different types of prayers and prayer languages and books written on the armor of God. So my purpose this morning is for us to actually understand what the armor of God means in our lives. And I want to jump right in to point number one this morning. The purpose of the armor is to stand firm. The purpose of the armor is to stand firm. Firm. We've already sang songs that talked about Jesus' firm foundation. He's the anchor in the midst of the storm. He's our cornerstone. We've already sang those things. But we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6. And I encourage you this morning, because we have some different translations, just to listen as I read, and then we'll dig in to our study. I'll begin in verse 10 as you listen along. Finally, Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. There it is. 
against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, and it goes and says why, that you may be able to withstand, there it is a second time, in the evil day, having done all to stand firm. Third time, verse 14, stand therefore. Continuously on throughout this verse, it says to stand. As believers, we are called to stand firm in the midst of trials, difficulties, circumstances, temptations, persecutions. Stand firm. In the book of Revelation, we see where it says, the Christian, the believer who perseveres till the end will be saved. In other parts of the Bible, we see about endurance, enduring till the end, running the good race, fighting the good fight, standing firm in the midst of battle. All of those are illustrations that say to the same thing, stand firm, endure, persevere. That's what a believer does. So each part of the armor, as we're going to see here this morning, says how we can be protected from evil, from sin, from Satan. And I want to spend some time on this because I had, like I said, a miscued perception about what the armor actually was and what it actually meant. I remember reading different things. How many of you have ever heard of like a prayer language or hand motions to put on the armor of God? A couple of you. Because there's hand motions and different things to put on the armor of God. And I want us to understand that found in Ephesians chapter 6, in these eight verses, this is not the secret prescription of spiritual warfare that God hid somewhere in the Bible. Because that's sometimes what we read Like spiritual warfare, you go to the armor of God. I want us to see we're actually not given any new commandments here in Ephesians chapter 6. These are all things we've already learned and been hashing out throughout our time in Ephesians as well as in Philippians and other books. Paul, point number two, was giving us a symbolic picture. The armor of God is symbolic of living out the Christian life. It's symbolic of living out the Christian life. Paul knew his audience. There was Roman soldiers all over the place. You could go to the marketplace. You could go to town. You could go to the synagogue, and you would see a Roman soldier. And so he was trying to tie that in. So every time his listeners saw a Roman soldier, they would see that there is a battle. Every single one of us this morning are facing battles in our lives. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's with your children. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's family. We are facing spiritual battles. As a church, in our lives, in our marriages, we are facing spiritual battles. And Paul wanted them to see in the battle, you're either equipped, spiritually speaking, or you're not equipped. And so he looked at this illustration, as Terry talked about, and he went through the different pieces showing you that when you're living out the Christian life, it's like a soldier in a suit of armor. And when you're not living out Christian principles, you're like someone who is going into battle unarmed, unprotected. And we're going to see that throughout our time this morning. It's important that we see, as we've seen in Ephesians chapter 4, which we're going to touch on, that we are the ones who open ourselves up to attack. When we run into battle unprepared, we're the ones who get hurt. We're the ones that we open the door for sin. 
Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27. I want to hammer out this illustration a little bit. Ephesians chapter 4, 26 and 27 says this, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. It sounded like this person was wearing their spiritual armor, right? says, be angry, but don't sin. Don't let the sun go down. If they did all of those things, they gave no opportunity to the devil. They were wearing their armor. But let's say somebody did the opposite of this. They were angry and they did sin. They let the sun go down on their anger and they gave an opportunity to Satan. Would we say that person is wearing their armor? What do we think? Doesn't seem like it. Doesn't seem like they're wearing their armor. They're doing everything scripture says not to do. But what if that person that morning prayed, Lord, put the armor on me. And then they went and lived a sinful whole day knowing what was right but doing what was wrong. We wouldn't say they were wearing the armor either. And so we need to understand it's our actions, not just a prayer or saying I have the armor on that shows what it is. Example, a Christian living in unconfessed sin. You know what's right. You know what's wrong. You're living in it and you're not confessing it to other believers, you are opening yourself up to other attacks. You're also, you're also making habits in your life that are easier to continue to justify. When you hide one sin, you continue to hide more and more and more sins. And so you're opening yourself up for destruction. And this is, this is why it says in James 5.16, Therefore confess your sins to one another, pray for one another that you may be healed. Well, we're called to do these things. So the man who says he has on the armor, but he's living in unconfessed sin, and he knows what's right, but he's continuing to do what's wrong. He's not even following scriptures. We can't say that man is actually wearing the pieces of the armor like he should. It goes back to his lifestyle. James says, be doers of the word, not hearers only, because if you do that, you're deceiving who? Yourself, right? And so that's what scripture says. So there's six pieces of armor. In Ephesians chapter 6, the first five are defensive in nature. That's what we're going to look at this morning. Verse 14, we're going to jump into some of these pieces. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. As Terry talked about last week, this was a key component of the soldier's uniform, of his battle gear, as well as just... Every, every day around town, even if he wasn't, everyone had on a belt. How many of you, if you know you want to look good, you have a certain set of clothes in your closet that you know, when I put these clothes on, I look good, right? We all have that set of clothes to where when we put that set of clothes on, we know it kind of gives us this confidence like, yeah, I look really good. People have given me a lot of compliments in this outfit. Well, this is what the belt is supposed to do with the Christian, When they tightened this thick leather strap around their core, it it, it gave them an inner sense of strength and fortitude because they were ready and it protected and it held things together. It tightened everything down. That, in the believer, is what should be truth. As a Christian, truth is what should give us that confidence. That confidence of, it's it's not like I'm out there in nowhere, and I'm not really sure where I stand. No, we have God's word as truth. So we can stand in the midst of things confident 
standing tall because I know what's right, I know what's wrong, I know what God has done and what God has said. That's what truth should do in the life of a believer. So I want us to understand that this isn't something that we put on and take off. If I know something is true and I'm following that, I'm I'm wearing the belt of truth. Would it be fair to say if I take the belt of truth off and put on a belt of lies or untruth, would, would you really even say that I know truth? If I could just throw that truthful belt off and put on another truth and go live this way and then go back and put truth on? No, because to live in a way that's not truthful is showing you don't even know the truth. You can't flip-flop, flip-flop all the time. Scripture's saying this should be the permanent set of armor Christians are wearing. They're living and walking in truth continually. If you're not, well, then either you don't know it because you haven't studied or you don't really have the belt on at all because you're not pursuing godly truth. So some questions for us. Application. Do you know the great truths of the Christian faith? Something to think about. Do you know what God has said and why he has said it? Why he's given it to you? Because if you don't, well, then you don't really have much truth to be comforted by, to be strengthened by in the midst of things. When we study the Bible, is it to do a checklist or to do because I need some encouragement today? Or is it to pursue truth? Because truth is what gives encouragement in the midst of storms that we face knowing what God has said about the issue. That's what the belt of truth means. For instance, if you continually are swayed back and forth, do you have truth? Well, truth is something that stays firmly planted in the midst of a storm. That's what it means to have on the belt of truth. Continuing on, put on the breastplate of righteousness. We're told to put on here. All throughout scripture, we see verses where it says, put off unrighteousness and to put on righteousness, right? Put off sinful desires and put on godly desires. Put off this, put on that. And here we're told, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Well, how can someone who's living in a continuous, rebellious, sinful way of life say they have the breastplate of righteousness on? We're called continually to put off and put on. Example of this, it goes all the way back. And this is why I said these are not new commandments. All the way back, Genesis chapter 4, verse 7, with Cain and Abel, says this, If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you, not, if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. So is it the breastplate that actually protects us, or is it righteous living? This is what Paul was getting at. He's saying it's not the the breastplate that protects you. The breastplate is like righteous living. When you live righteously, Paul is saying it's like a breastplate that protects you. And, And here in Genesis, if you do what is right, God will protect you. God will accept you if you do what is wrong. And then it says, if you do what is wrong, sin is crouching at the door waiting to get you. And so it's not the breastplate that protects us. Paul is saying a righteous life is what protects us. When you live righteously, there's so many things that are no longer involved in your life. So how does someone who's living a righteous life live? Well, for starters, 
they're not someone who continually puts themselves in sinful situations. Every single one of you know what your biggest sin that, as of right now, you perceive to be your biggest sin. We have a lot of sins that we don't perceive that we need people to point out to us, but we have some that we know clearly, I struggle with this. And you know when it comes out the most, right? So do we put ourselves in circumstances where sins are going to come out the most? Do we pursue those moments? That's something righteous living. We're called to put that off and to put on righteous living to stay away from those areas. When we stay away from those type of things, it brings about protection in our lives. Philippians 4.8, we preached through the book of Philippians months ago, but it says this, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure or lovely, commendable, if there is anything of excellence, there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. When you pursue those type of things, you are putting a shroud of righteousness around you that protects you. So it's not the breastplate, it's our living that is like a breastplate. Continuing on, it says, Verse 15, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Gospel shoes. It's the most weird piece of armor that, that they talk about. Gospel shoes. What are gospel shoes or gospel sandals? Well, this imagery was taken from the Old Testament. When two nations went to war and one sent an army out, a city sent an army out, they had no way of knowing the outcome of the war. And so they would stand guards on the gates and look for a messenger who would be coming back from running. This is actually where Nike, Nike means victory, and between two battle points, there was a runner who ran from a marathon. The actual distance of a marathon came from two cities where the runner ran. He got there, and they knew he already was saying victory, but he yells out Nike, meaning victory, and then this messenger died. Um, in this instance, but that's where some of these terminologies like marathon comes from. And so we see that runners in the Old Testament were sent to give news about the battlefield, what was happening. And it almost became a science because there would be standing people watching for this runner to come. And they could tell by how this man was running whether he was bringing good news or bad news. Good news meant that he was standing up tall, he had a pep in his step, kicking up a lot of dirt. Bad news is he was kind of drudging along with his head down low, and so it almost became a science of how is he running. This is where we get the phrase, or in Romans, they got the phrase, chapter 10, verse 15, and how are they to preach unless they are sent? And it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. It actually took that symbology of running beautiful feet because he's picking up his feet in victory. So how does this apply to our lives with gospel shoes? Well, we all know somebody that when we see them coming, do we have thoughts of despair when we see that person coming towards us? Maybe we think drama. Maybe we think begrudgingly burden, kill joy drainer. They always have something going on in their life. Just seeing them come and how they're approaching you, you can kind of read the situation. I'm going to have a two hour long time and it's just going to tear me down, right? 
as Christians, we shouldn't be that way. There may be times where we're down, but we should be excited. People should see us coming because we have something to hope in. We have something we're excited for. We have the gospel of Jesus Christ, as we've sang about, that has saved us, rescued us, that he sought us, satisfied God's wrath. We should not be walking around with our head down low, sullen, and depressed. That's what it means to have on the shoes of the gospel. That we're so excited to talk with people about what God is doing in our life, what he's done in our life, that I just want to share it with everyone. That's what it means to have on gospel shoes. Do we begrudgingly go around with our head low, down in life, or Or are we fixated maybe on the wrong things in those moments? And we should really focus on what God has done. What Philippians 4 says we should focus on. Let's continue on. Verse 16. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. Now, this is a pathetic excuse for a shield here. Okay? Never seen any shields like this from historical documents. The shield would not have done very much at all. The Roman soldiers had two different types of shields. They had a small round shield about two feet in diameter that they would use in hand-to-hand combat, that they would use for blocks. This is not the shield that we're talking about here either. The shield that is being discussed here by Paul comes from the Greek word thuriu, which actually means a large door or a gate. This shield was big. This shield covered the length of a man's body. I was reading about these shields, and it said that they were between four and four and a half feet tall. And I was thinking, four and a half feet tall? That's not going to cover the length of my body. And I started looking into it. Well, men were much shorter back then. So it covered from here down, not from here down. But from here down, this is what the shields look like. But it came from the word of a door or a gate actually on the side of a cave. You'd have a cave where there's a hole in the cave, and there's a gate that closes that. That's what our faith is supposed to be like. That we are in a cave surrounded by rock protecting us. And there is a large, there is a large shield that's curved around that whole entrance. And it protects us. That's what it's supposed to mean that we have this type of faith. Notice it says of faith. Not the faith. Because we're not talking about the faith. All the, the Christian doctrines. That's the belt of truth. That's the faith. Of faith just means a general confidence in God. What God has done, we have this shield of faith. In the midst of anything you're going through, God wants you to have this shield of faith. Three things this shield should do in your life. The same things that it did for Roman soldiers. Number one, cover us so that no portion is exposed. Have this shield in front of you, kind of curving around you. Cover us so that no portion is exposed. Secondly, it should link up with those around you's faith and protect and build a solid wall. But thirdly, and this is a beautiful picture of a church, protect both us and our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ from everything sinful and evil that desires to tear us down. Those are three things that the shield of faith in all circumstances should do. I have a picture here that is a beautiful picture of what I think the church should look like. If we can show that. This is what the Romans would have looked like in their formation moving towards an enemy. Now, you see because of all those shields covering the length of their bodies and the shields going back that it was really impenetrable. 
not very much could get through that. That's what a church really should look like, is that we are linked together with our shields of faith, moving in the midst of a generation that is crooked and twisted, as Scripture says, and that we're protecting one another, that we encourage one another. We don't cut one another down because everybody in the world is not like us. We are outside of the world, so we stick together and we pursue unity, even though we may disagree on some things or have differing minor beliefs. The main things we stick together, this is what a church should look like. This is what the shield of faith Paul was referring to would have looked like. Well, let's continue on to the last piece of armor. Verse 17, take the helmet of salvation. Notice the word take. It says take it as in you're supposed to do something with it. Put it on. And this isn't just that you're saved. It's not just I'm saved, I have salvation, so I put the helmet on. No, this is actually an understanding of where you're going to spend eternity in light of present circumstances. 1 Thessalonians 5.8, listen to what it says. Since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love. Notice it's symbolic here. Faith and love. And for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Our helmet is supposed to be understanding where we're going to spend eternity. When we have a confidence of where we spend eternity, we can act differently in the midst of circumstances. It doesn't matter if our life is threatened. It doesn't matter if we're held at gunpoint. It doesn't matter any of those things. We understand that we have a helmet of salvation and we can think clearly in the midst of battles. Even when things seem to be going the wrong way, what God has done, what he's done for us, we can be encouraged because we know at the end of the day where we're going to spend eternity. And we're going to be face to face with Christ himself in the best place we could ever imagine. That this, where we're living, your life right now is but a vapor, is what scripture says. And so we have a helmet of salvation that we look past all the stuff we may be facing right now. And we have hope. That's how we can pick our feet up with the Gospels because we have a hope in the midst of this. Practical illustration again of what this actually looks like played out in the life of a believer. I want you to listen as I read 2 Corinthians chapter 4 beginning in verse 8. You can write this down to look at it later. But I want you to listen and I want you to try to pick out what type of armor we're speaking about because this goes through a list and it covers all of the pieces of armor symbolically speaking that a believer has beginning in verse 8 we are afflicted in every way but not crushed perplexed but not driven to despair persecuted but not forsaken struck down but not destroyed shield of faith this is what it means this is what it would have meant for those soldiers to have their shields, the army crushing around them. They're struck, they're persecuted, they're surrounded by all sides, but they're not destroyed. In the midst of the battle, they're still standing firm, shield of faith. Verse 10, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our own body. So we have a sinful body, but we're understanding what Christ did because we want his life to be in our body. Verse 11, for we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus 
may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life is in you. Breastplate of righteousness. We want his righteous living inside of us. Not our sinful self, but we want to pursue what Christ has done so that he can live inside of us, and it's what's going to protect us. Breastplate of righteousness. Verse 13. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, truth, belt of truth, we have God's word. It has been written. It is written is how Jesus responded. It is written. It says, it is written. Well, that's the belt of truth. Continuing on in the verse, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak. What do we think that one is about speaking, speaking what we believe? Which piece of armor would that be? Speaking. The shoes of the gospel. We're, we're ready to go out and proclaim the good news. Ready to go proclaim the good news that we have believed and it's good news. So we go speak to others because we have it. Verse 14. Knowing. Where does knowing reside? In our mind. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with him into his presence. I want to read that again. It's just a perfect picture of the helmet of salvation. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with him into his presence. Helmet of salvation. Knowing our eternal destiny, what God has planned. Most of you have noticed the pair of shoes on stage by now, hopefully. And these are to help illustrate my point this morning. You see, these shoes were bought for a purpose. And why were these shoes bought? Well, are they, are they fulfilling their purpose this morning? Well, these shoes weren't bought to simply sit and be looked at, right? None of us, I'm sure, have shoes that we bought them just so they could sit in our closet and do nothing. None of us have shoes like that, right? Right. My wife's going to have words to say with me about that illustration afterwards. Because I have some shoes like that. But, and I'm keeping them. I like my shoes. So, <laughs> shoes, they weren't, they weren't bought for that purpose. Well, if, if I put these shoes on and I walk around in these shoes, are they fulfilling their purpose? Depends if I bought them for walking shoes. But these shoes weren't bought for walking shoes. Matt, why were these shoes bought? These are Matt's shoes. And he bought them for running. I don't run, so I don't have any running shoes, right? But if I have these shoes, that doesn't make me a runner. If I wear running shoes, that doesn't make me a runner either. To call myself a runner but never run, just because I have a pair of shoes that are running shoes, is a contradiction. It doesn't even make sense. Well, the same is true with Scripture. Church, when did these become running shoes? When, when did these become running shoes, church? When I'm running in them. And that's exactly like these pieces of armor. These pieces of armor are symbolic of how we live our life. It's not that I'm wearing the belt of truth, but I am able to live contradictory to the word of God. That's not wearing the belt of truth at all. I wear the belt of truth when I speak truth and when I pursue truth. The same as I'm a runner when I'm actually running in running shoes. 
to say we're wearing the armor, but our light doesn't match up with what the armor actually says it's for, shows that we're not actually what? We'll say it again. What? I don't remember what I asked. It means that we're not wearing the armor. I couldn't repeat the same way I said it. It shows we're not wearing the armor. And so that is the essence of this. So when we say we have on the breastplate of righteousness, what is it that protects us? It's not the breastplate. It's righteous living. Righteous living is what brings us about the protection that God says it should. The same with the other pieces of armor. We need to understand Christ came, lived a perfect life, died a sinner's death, took God's wrath upon himself for our sins, so we didn't have to. And he desires that we walk in a way that is glorifying to him, is protecting of us. That's what it means. We, he wants to provide us with this type of armor for our good and for his glory. Are you wearing shoes of the gospel? Are you excited about sharing what God is doing, what God has done? It's almost to where when you're spending time with people, it's just naturally going to come out. Because you're running in the shoes. It's not that you just have a pair of shoes and maybe I'll put the shoes on in this conversation. Maybe I won't. Maybe I'll bring up the gospel. Maybe I won't. No, you're in the shoes. You're running in the shoes. So you're just going to talk about it because it's who you are. You're going to talk about the gospel. You're going to talk about what God is doing. They may not believe in God, but they know that you do because of what you're doing, what he's doing in your life. And that's an evidence to them. Man, they're crazy about whoever God is in their life. That's the way we should be. He naturally comes out. Shield of faith. Does your world get rocked when you hear a theological question you don't know? Because I see this all the time. I mean, people have all these truths and they believe all these things and they have faith in what God's word is. And then a question comes up and then they throw all that out the window. All these things that they know about God, they throw out the window because they don't know this one thing. We need to understand there's going to be things we don't understand. But that doesn't mean we throw all truth out the window. We have faith that I may not understand all things. When you hear something about somebody else, it doesn't mean that you all of a sudden go from this to that. In the middle of a storm, are you securely anchored and clinging on to the anchor of Jesus Christ? Or are you the boat that's being washed up and hit among the rocks all the time? This theologically, practically, are you wearing your armor? Because if you are that boat, always being back and forth, well, then that's something God wants you to work on. And I encourage you. I encourage you. Spend some time. Come talk with us. I know I haven't gone through and I've talked how to put on all of these pieces because it's a process. It's all throughout Scripture, how to put off these things, how to put on these things. So if you want to learn how to live this way. I encourage you, find some men and women who you know love the Lord and who are living in a good lifestyle. It doesn't have to be me or Pastor Terry. Find some men and women. Maybe they're in your connect group. Maybe you don't know many people, but you see some people and you think they love the Lord. If you want to live this type of way in this type of armor, pursue some people. If you don't know them, come talk with me or Pastor Terry. We'll connect you with people. We want other people discipling one another, growing one another, encouraging one another, because none of us has this down. It's not like some of us are impervious to sin walking around with a full set of armor on because we're perfect, okay? 
but the armor is symbolic of what God has called us to do. I want to end this morning with some encouraging words from John chapter 14. This is where Jesus comforts his disciples. Maybe you need some comfort this morning. And this is what the armor is for, is to bring us comfort in the midst of everything going on. John chapter 14. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may also be. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. We can stand firm in the midst of trials, difficulties, and perils because God loves us. He died for us, and he has given us great promises that nothing in heaven and on earth, principalities, angels, demons, circumstances can take us out of his hand. If he's the one who's done these things, who can be against God? That's what it means to stand firm. That's what it means to have on the armor of God is we're putting all of our trust and all of our faith in him to walk out this way in a way that grows us, but we can also glorify God in the midst of this. Would you pray with me this morning? God, we want to pursue you. God, we know you've, you've given us circumstances for our good, to grow us. God, help us to pursue what it means to wear this armor. God, we know it's not physical armor or literal armor. We know that it's symbolic of living out the commands you've given us all over Scripture. And when we live out these commands, we are protected just like a soldier would be protected in battle with a suit of armor on. God, we want that for each and every single one of us here this morning. We need your help in that. We need others' help in that. None of us have this down perfect. God, we want to glorify you as a church in our worship, but God, in our lifestyle. Simply saying that we're doing that isn't good enough. Simply looking like we're doing that isn't good enough. We actually have to be doing it, just like we're not runners unless we're running. God, help us to be pursuing you. God, we love you, we praise you, and give you praise for this morning and all the things you've done. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.